Good afternoon, or evening, it's 5 o'clock, um, and welcome to 30 Minute Reviews, I'm Adam. We are here to discuss the latest shakeup at Disney. We talked about when Gunn took over at Warner Brothers. We talk about these major shakeups every once in a while. We talked at length about Warner Brothers, um... And the things that have happened under Zaslav. Now, for a little bit of context, Bob Iger decided he was going to retire after 2019, which was a good decision on his part um, for his legacy as CEO. Because 2019, they set like the record for most money at the box office between Avengers Endgame, between um, like Captain Marvel broke a billion. Um, there was Endgame was the highest grossing movie of all time, very briefly. Um, what was the other one that they had? Um, uh, Lion King broke a billion. The last Star Wars movie came out, Episode Nine, and then you know they, I, I think they thought that was going to break a billion, but it didn't. Um, there was the what's it called? The um, you know Toy Story Four. So it was just uh, Frozen Two. All of these things kind of stacked up in a way where it's like go out on top, and the, and then the pandemic started. Bob Chapek who I want to say was CFO or some other high-ranking office like that, he took over at that point as the new head of, uh, as the new CEO. Under his tenure, things have not been great. Uh, The pandemic didn't help, but there were things outside of pandemic control that also were directly done by him. Um, His his methodology around, um, what's it called? Like, you know, specifically Pixar, where it's like the pandemic was kind of subsided and people started going back to the movies and yet Turning Red still goes to streaming. Definitely didn't help things, you know. And then his handling of the Reedy Creek District also didn't exactly help. Um, so it was just kind of a perfect storm all around where he he bungled so many things. And it just doesn't look... It's not great all around. And then on top of it... Now, I'm not a parks person. I, I was never someone who... I mean, granted, distance was one of those things where it's like going to the Disney parks was not exactly something that was feasible for me on a regular basis. But I've been there quite a few times, or a few times over my life, you know. Like, you know, first grade, like, fifth grade, like, you know, going into high school and then, like... 2014, I think, was the last time I was at a Disney park, but, you know, his his treatment of annual pass holders um, of recent history was not great. And, and I think the situation was kind of blown out of proportion, kind of like the... Like, his statement was his basket of deplorables statement, not to get too political, but, like, Hillary had that statement, um, which he said, like, you know, I'll, I'll take, like, there's a certain subset of Trump supporter that I, I call the bat like the, the kind of fits into that basket of deplorables. So the people who um, are you know whatever the full statement was, but it's like it wasn't meant to apply to every person who voted for Trump in 2016, but it certainly applied to a certain subset of the fan of the the fan base, the uh, the the political base, and you know it was kind of the same thing here, where. Coming out of the pandemic and then going into this new thing, they were talking about, in a a financial statement, they were talking about, um, 
or in an earnings call talking about how the mix of the park is not one that is um, one that it's an unfavorable mix of people at the park. And what they're referring to is the mix of percentage of annual pass holders compared to um, tourists. And, and the rationale being tourists spend more money in the parks than the annual pass holders. The annual pass holders go, they will occasionally buy, you know, meals and stuff. And this is from what I've read. I'm not, again, super well-versed in all of this. Um, but it, it, they'll go and do that. They don't tend to buy souvenirs. They don't tend to buy other big-ticket items in the park because they live in the area, and, and it's it's not something that they would do. Um, tourists, on the other hand, who are coming from abroad and are making it their big thing, are going to stay at the hotels. They're going to buy expensive excursions. They're going like all that kind of stuff, which is additional money in. So when he says unfavorable mix, he means he wants more tourists, less annual pass holders. Not that he doesn't want the same number of annual pass holders, but he would like more tourists coming in from abroad. And while we're in this kind of, like, recession, not a recession period that we're in right now, where it's like prices are skyrocketing and all that, we're kind of in a recession. Um, and I think, like, under the technical definition, we're in a recession. Um, it is one of those things where it's like, why is... Like, what's the... Like, it is a statement. It's a poorly worded statement. Where he should have just been like, look, we need to get more tourists in the park. Um, and come up with more things for tourists to come for. And then I think on top of it, what didn't help was when you look at what they announced to kind of counteract what Universal is doing, where Universal is opening a third park in Orlando. Disney didn't come strapped or anything quite like that. And there's a part of. Disney World that's kind of, um, uh, or specifically Animal Kingdom that's kind of just abandoned at this point. You know, Dino, that was a Dino Thunder. Um, Dino, like Dino Land USA was kind of the, the point of, well, here is, you know, what's it called? Here is, um, there were rides, but I think Dinosaur is the only thing that's still there. And Dinosaur has not been renovated in a long time. And it's like, the, the only thing you're really hearing is like, look, we got Tron coming and we're going to rebrand Splash Mountain. And it's like, cool, you're doing all of that. But what about other aspects of it? Like, what are other aspects of the park? And they're looking in the far future, but like, what about short term and trying to able to come to the parks now? And it's that kind of thing that's making investors wary. And, and, and it's to, so, so what ends up happening is, let's just skip ahead a little bit. Yesterday, I'm getting ready for bed, and I checked the news one last time, and I see um, Bob Chapek is out as CEO, and Bob Iger is in as CEO. And for that to happen the week before Thanksgiving, at like 10 o'clock at night Eastern time, is just bizarre. On, on all fronts. Like, there's no part of this situation that is normal or good or, or anything like that. It's like, you, well, I mean, I guess for, for, the, for the grand scheme of things, I guess it is good because I think that Iger was better under his tenure. And also, I read Iger's book, so, like, you get more into, like, the how the guy thinks of it all. And it is kind of like, okay, he under, like he kind of understands what's going on there and he kind of sees it all, you know, going, he, he kind of sees the company as a whole and not just, you know, that, and 
I think that this could be a great thing for Disney as a company going forward. Now, the aspects of the Walt Disney Company that I'm really interested in, and, and, and I think listening to this podcast, would tend to fall more on the side of Disney, the, the avenue for Star Wars and Marvel. Um, and I think that regardless of what's going on with, with anything, I think that... I think we're going to get some more affirmative... Affirmative action is the wrong word. Some more um, direct action when it comes to leadership at... Uh, more clarity, let's say, on, on leadership at Lucasfilm. Because while I don't think that the conspiracy theories where Kathleen Kennedy's a figurehead and all of that are accurate, I also don't think she's going to get her contract re up next year. Um, I think that what's more likely is we're going to see a Filoni take the role of studio head and I think that what we're going to do is we're going to get I, I think that what basically we need to do is we need the the film industry as a whole to kind of take the approach that the video game industry has where it's not even specifically just you know all that but I think the direct style that we saw kind of during the pandemic um, that was kind of spearheaded by by Warner Brothers in DC with the fandom but, like, if you look at, like, what's going on with with Marvel and, and, and how much they can dominate a news cycle with Investor Day or with... And, and that's coming up, too. I feel like that's a big part of this, too. Because we're coming up on two years now since the announcement of Kang the Conqueror in Quantumania. And and, um, and that happened in the, in the Investor Call. And I feel like that has a lot to do with why they put Bob Iger in now. So he has time to kind of... Take a look at what's coming and reassure investors, like, look, this is not all doom and gloom. We have shit coming. We have, like, there is a plan and, 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 and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that that's kind of where we are right now and, and why Iger is, take, is, is taking the role when he is. Um, I'm interested to see what they come strapped with for Investor Day at this point when they have that big investor meeting in, uh, in December. Um, which I think is also when they do Disney Plus Day. I- I'm interested to see what they have to show. Probably a new trailer for that that Pixar TV show. Um, and I think that like one of the things we're going to get early, I feel like, has to be a commitment to theatrical. And I feel like that's the first big thing we got to get is this. Like, I don't think Marvel is going to ever move away from putting their big movies in theaters, nor do I think Star Wars is going to put a movie on Disney Plus. I, I think that we're still going to see those on the big screen. Same goes for Disney animated movies. And, and the rationale for this is when you... Uh, I, I heard someone, I think it was the Disney History Institute podcast, talked about this months back, where he, he posited that what happens on TV and what happens on streaming doesn't have longevity in the parks. Um, looking back at like the things that happened on Disney Channel, very little of it had any impact on the parks. Same goes for video games. Sora had very little impact from Kingdom Hearts. Um, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit didn't quite catch on. After And granted, that could also be a rights thing with Universal. But he didn't catch on in the parks after Epic Mickey. We did not have a, a, um, a resurgence of characters from like Playhouse Disney. They had a small thing in MGM at the time. But that wasn't a huge thing. And if you want people to enjoy the parks and really go to the parks and spend money, which is where the money comes from for Disney, you have to get people to see things in the movie theater. 
Um, and that's true to this day. Whereas, like, the movie theaters need to need to happen. Um, and, and if you're not selling tickets there, you're not going to get people into the, um, into seats. Um, and, and looking at, like, you know, what we've had recently, like, Frozen has already rethemed Maelstrom, and Frozen's relatively recent. Um, it's, it's not even ten years old yet. Um, there are talks of putting in, like, Coco and, um, what's it called? Coco and, uh, the other one, um, Encanto from last year, um, in, um, Magic Kingdom, um, in, in that region behind Big Thunder Mountain. Um, and if you look at I said that other one, that's not a great look. Um, but looking at it broadly, like, you know, if that's what they're doing, and then look at what they're doing in the movies. It's like, we are bringing back Little Mermaid, so that we can, you know, not just capitalize on nostalgia, but also if we have things in the park, eat to get experience in the park, we can, we can show it there. We can also show, uh, movies like Haunted Mansion, like, um, what's it called? Like, um... Uh, Jungle Cruise last year, because there are these things in the parks that are kind of, for American audiences who are familiar, kind of staples of the parks, but at the same time, they don't have a tie for international audiences. So, like, you move Haunted Mansion to, um, what's it called? If you move Haunted Mansion to Tokyo Disneyland, Shanghai Disneyland, um, Disneyland Paris, or anything like that, it doesn't have the same cachet for those audiences because they didn't grow up with that there. In the same way, when you look at Star Wars, like, and, and, and look, let's be honest, Star Wars has had two good movies, one okay movie, and a bunch of other barely serviceable kids movies, and this is coming from someone who loves Star Wars, and starting tomorrow, we'll be listening to the new Star Wars book to do a review of Convergence, because he has it pre-ordered, and he's going to listen to it, and he's looking forward to the Battle of Jeddah next year, in January. Bear that in mind when I say Star Wars does not have a great history with movies. A lot of their movies are not fantastic. Like, um, like the entirety of the prequels aren't great. I will, I will go out on a limb and say that Return of the Jedi is not a great movie. Um, and I will, uh, and, 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 and the sequels are the sequels with the strongest being The Last Jedi. But even that one's not a great movie. Um... And if you look at it through that lens, like, you know, here it does a lot of money. I think that The Force Awakens, maybe The Force Awakens broke $2 billion. Um, but it's not a great movie. Um, and, like, looking at, like, you know, the, the whole, like, you know... What was the word I'm looking for? Like, um, when we look at the box office results in China of of um, the Force Awakens, it's not a fantastic turnout. And the reason for that is it didn't get a release in China in 1977 or 1980 or 1982. It it doesn't have the same cultural relevance that it does here. And if you can make these movies that are going to get released internationally, that will have that you know, that will have cachet for those in the parks, and you don't have to work on making entirely new attractions for international markets. You can just bring the old attractions over. Um, and it's a lot less, and it's a lot less money to do that, to, to make a new movie, rather than do that. Um, 
So yeah, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm more optimistic now about things for Disney because again, granted, Disney works more as a disjointed kind of, like you know, and disjointed is the wrong word, but it's more of a a company where, um, the various studios don't report in the same way that they do to 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 the head. Like it's not like. It's not like Bob Iger is sitting there, or, or Bob Chapek under the old regime, was sitting there with a red pen and signing off on every script and doing all of that. It's, you have various studios, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, Disney Animation, Walt Disney Pictures, um, ESPN Films, Natural Geographic. All of these things kind of exist under this blanket of the Walt Disney Company, but the studio heads still have a lot of say. I think that the place you're really going to see a lot of change... Um, and, and not so much change, more of a reversion to the way it was before. I think you're going to see that mostly in the, um, in the, what's it called? In, in the, uh, um, in the, th- in the park side of things. That's where they, that's what they're trying to salvage is the park's operation more than anything else. Um, but I think we've covered enough of that for today. Um. If you are listening to this tomorrow, tomorrow being um, Thursday, Thursday, no, tomorrow being Tuesday, um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, um, go to multipleworldproductions.com and uh, slash Black Friday, and you can go and pick up um, for free, totally for free. Um, copies of Our Past Does Not Define Us, which is getting a sequel next year. Echo Alpha, which is getting a sequel later this week on Wednesday. You can pre-order it on the same link. Um, Swan Song, The Muses, Duet, In the End, and earlier this year is The Temple Outside Time. All of them are available for free through Kindle. Because if you click the, if you go to multipleworldproductions.com slash Black Friday, you can get all of them and add them to your Kindle library for free. It costs nothing but your time to add them to your Kindle library, and they will be there forever until the end of eternity or Amazon shuts down. That will be where the, what's it called is. That's, you, you can get all of them. So again, multiple world productions dot com slash black friday all one word all lowercase and you can get all of those books added and then at the bottom is links to pre-order the next two books which will change come friday when i put the pre-order link up for echo delta part two and echo delta part two will be going live later this week um and that this is only good until the end of the day saturday um end of business saturday this goes away um and it's only because I can put it on sale for five days. I can do a free promotion for five days. So I put them all for here. Um, so again, multipleworldproductions.com slash Black Friday. And if you get them all for free, that would be very helpful. We want to see how high we can get ourselves on the rankings this year. Uh, I think we've peaked at number like nine in the past. Let's see how high we can get it this year. Um, so, yeah. So we'll wrap up there for today. And until our next episode, have a great rest of your week.